Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Joanne Wilson. Well, we have a lot to cover here today. I'm usually the one that is like, I love a good short sermon. But God gave me a lot to share today. So I'm going to get my do my best to get through it quickly, but I want it to be effective. So um, please, 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 if you have your Cool Church app, pull it out, get your sermon notes in front of you. Um, if you have a notebook, maybe you're not an app person, grab that notebook, pull out that little high school desk you got there on the side of your chair and make use of it because God wants to speak to each and every one of us today. Amen. How many of y'all know that God has a word for you? Because the beginning of being able to receive something in your heart is being open and intentional about receiving it, expectant about receiving a word. So if you know that God has a word for you, I want you to shout amen. amen. Come on. We're going to be reading from Matthew 6:19 through 24. I'm going to read the message version. And throughout this uh, message, there's going to, I'll be flowing between the NIV and message. It's all God's word, right? So Matthew 6, 19 through 24, it says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You cannot worship two gods at one. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. And that's a good place to say amen. If you're taking notes today, which I know you are, um, we're going to be talking about stewardship. In this um, series of Among the Wolves, we've been talking about all of the different characteristics of disciples. See, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And so if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the goal is that you are a disciple, somebody who really goes after and lives a life for Jesus. You don't have to be in uh, uh, sandals and a robe to be a, to be a disciple. You can be who you are better and transformed by the Spirit of God to be a disciple. Many of us in here are already there. I believe we're all on the journey to discipleship. Amen? So these verses that we just read are perspective shifters, aren't they? They are a call for us to live with heavenly perspective. Here on earth, we tend to think about the things that we need now and the things that we need to be here on earth. But this set of verses is saying, hey, yes, you're here on earth, but don't forget, there's a heavenly place that you're destined to. And if you're not careful, you're neglecting all that you need to do to prepare to get you there. Amen? In this um, series, again, we've been talking about all of these characteristics. So steward, a stewardship, right? First, I want to talk about like what a steward actually is. A, a steward or to steward something is to manage or to look after it, right? A manager is somebody who's given the responsibility to care for something on behalf of someone else. In this case, um, I want to share with you the cool church definition of it. A good steward is someone that faithfully manages what they've been given and blessed with in a manner that is pleasing to God. Amen. That's a steward. And we have three things that we have to manage properly, time, talent, and treasure. 
The question I want to first pose to you is, will you manage your resources or will your resources manage you? Will you manage your time or will your time manage you? Will you manage your talent or will your talent manage you? Will your resources manage you or will you be the one that manages your resources? We have to be very intentional about how we use everything that God has given us for his glory. Now, those were not just great tweetable questions or saying, but they speak to what we are allowing ourselves to be governed and controlled by. We have choices all in every day in our lives and for the rest of our lives. And we have the opportunity to choose to steward what we have for him. Being a good steward means managing your time, talent, and treasure so that none of these things will ever glorify anything other more than Jesus. He's the one who gave it all to you in the first place, right? Come on. A good steward can be trusted. A good steward will be rewarded. A good steward lives a life that is full of joy and, and not worry. Don't you know that when you've managed something well, you have a little bit more peace in your life? You can sleep well. You don't have to stress about it when you've managed something well, right? Everything we have is given to us by God, and he gives us what we have so that we can steward it for his glory. I'm going to keep saying that because I want to make sure that you leave here with that principle and you act towards it or you live your life in such a manner that you use everything that you have for God's glory. But I want you to lean into this, that Jesus is looking for disciples that he can trust with the future. Because only a good steward can be trusted with the future. Let's look back at the scripture, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Another way we've heard that is what for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first principle I want to share with you today is that stewardship is not just about what you invest, but it's about where you invest. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Good stewards invest in the future. This past week, uh, cousins were in town from Canada, and, you know, it's a different... Okay, we got a Canadian up in here. Okay. All right. It's all good. Um, Canadians have a different way of life than here. Than the, they live differently, right, than we do here in America. And um, my cousins, they were, as they were visiting us um, throughout the week, like we're in the middle of the week and we work during the week, right? And so um, there was a lot of back and forth trying to figure out when we could get together because we were working. And when we finally did get together, it was fu funny because... Um, they kept asking all these questions about, you know, what we do and how we spend our day and our, our time and just really wanting to understand, you know, our, our workflow. At first, I started to get annoyed. I'm like, why do you want to know all my business? Like, relax. I mean, they were being very specific, asking, and I would just give vague answers, and they kept asking more and more. And so I was like, okay. So I had to stop a little bit, and I said, oh, wow. I realized that they were really trying to understand what we were working so hard for. And part of that is because they're seeing our life, and not that our life is, is, is bad or anything, but they're seeing it, but they're not seeing, okay, if you're going to spend all this time working, then you must have acres on acres, you must have all this stuff that's tangible in the world that will show the fruits of all your labor. But they didn't see that. And it wasn't just us. It was it's my brothers and the other family members that are here. And they're just like, everybody's just always working. What is everybody working so much for here? And it just made me start thinking about the American dream. 
James Truslow Adam coined the phrase the American dream in his best-selling book in 1931 titled Epic of America. The American dream is to attain the fullest stature of which they are capable regardless of their circumstances of birth or position, which means everybody could succeed with hard work. That's, that's essentially uh, what the American dream is. The American dream is rooted in what we can attain, how wealthy we can become for ourselves and competing others with others to gain more. The problem with the American dream is that it consumes the heart with temporary things. And it gives no thought to the eternal. The American dream has taken us so far away from God's dream for us. This whole issue of heavenly versus earthly treasure really comes down to a matter of the heart. In other words, which do you love more? Do you love earthly goods or heavenly treasure? One thing about Jesus we always know is that he's always going to try to get down to the heart of the matter. He also, he always tries to get us to rethink the things that we are so stuck in thinking. And in this case, we are so stuck in this earthly setting that we're in, but a lot of times we forget that there's another place. This is just a stop for us. We're not meant to live in that, like we're not meant to just be here. We have somewhere else that we're planning to go to as believers and followers of Christ. Are you constantly worrying about money? Maybe getting to the next level of your, your wealth or um, titles. Maybe you have an unhealthy obsession with your bank account and accumulating more uh, wealth, making more money, more, 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 or getting the next promotion. Any of those things can become earthly treasure or they are earthly treasure. But the question is, is not so much about those things that we can't go after those things, that we can't work hard and try to attain things for ourselves and to grow our family, but it's about which do you love more? Do you love and focus more your attention on earthly goods or are you investing and working towards your final destination? Earthly treasures are temporary. This is the word telling us that where they were talking about moths and, and corrosion and rust. Earthly treasures are temporary, perishable, and short-sighted. We're destined for eternity, but the treasures of the world are not. Where are you investing your time? What do you spend the most time in your life doing? What about your gifts and talents? Where are you using them? Who are they benefiting the most? These are all things for us to reflect on and to get real with ourselves about. When we put the gift over the giver, we was going through and studying this uh, scripture. I kept asking myself, well, what is heavenly treasure exactly? Right? Because I'm like, I want, I want specifics. Like, what is heavenly treasure? Well, in Matthew 19, 21, uh, here we're with a, a man, he's a rich man, and he asked Jesus what he needs to do to be able to enter into the kingdom of God, right? And so Jesus tells him all these things like, oh, you can't be, you have to um, be good in nature, you can't steal, all these kinds of, you know, obvious things, right? And so, and so the man's like, the rich man's like, yeah, I've done those things. Well, what else? Because isn't it funny? Because sometimes God tells us, or we're, we're told exactly what we need to do, or, or, or we're encouraged to do something, but it's never enough. Because we're just like, oh, it can't, it can't just be that. I can't just pray this prayer and, and be saved. Like there has to be more than that. Like God can't forgive me. But God does forgive. He doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. As long as we turn our hearts to him, he is always going to say yes to us. Amen? And so in this case, this man is like, you know, he's like, well, well, well what else? I've done those things. I've, I've, I've done it right. And then we're brought to 19, Matthew 19, 21. And it says, Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciple, truly, I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they, greatly, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with, this, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? If you're not careful... Your wealth can become an obstacle in the path to your eternal place in heaven. We see here that Jesus equates selling possessions and giving to the needy as treasure in heaven. So there you go. That's, that's one line clear as can be as treasure in heaven. Another way to understand it is living a life with open hearts and open hands. We store up treasure in heaven by seeking the kingdom of God through helping others, which is demonstrated in the greatest sacrifices that God made for us, and that is Christ on the cross for us. See, real treasure has no price tag. The things of heaven, heavenly treasure are the things that only God can give. And so... I was thinking about, you know, as, as we're, it's hard for me to say the pandemic, because I know that it's not completely over, but does it, it feels like it's over, right? So bear with me. So as we were in the, in the height of the pandemic, I remember thinking about how long we've been in this, right? It was like, oh my God, month after month after month, and um, somewhere within the two years, I remember looking out my window at the driveway thinking like, wow, what a waste. I was looking at our nice fancy cars just sitting there. And this was the time, of course, where we couldn't go anywhere. We were in, in quarantine, everything was shut down. And even, even a little bit after we got released, we didn't go anywhere. And so I remember thinking, man, we got all these nice cars just sitting here doing nothing, collecting dust. And I thought to myself, you know, it just got me to think about like, well, why do I need to have this nice car? So I really started to ask myself, you know, did I really need it? Is this really uh, benefiting my life? Is this really glorifying God? And so in an effort for me to be a good steward, like this is just me. This, is, this doesn't have to be us. It's not meant to, you know, point fingers at anybody. But for me, I could not answer why I had to have this fancy car. Because the reality is, is that it didn't serve me well. I'm a person, I have a business, so I have a bunch of stuff that I'm always carrying with me. I always got boxes and boxes of things, delivering orders or whatever, I know. And I'm always having to borrow Pastor Terrence's truck, he has a pickup truck, to go deliver things or, or move things around. And eventually I thought, man, this is silly. I'm paying all this money for this car that I cannot use. And the stupid part is, is that the car was sold as a truck, but it wasn't really a truck. And so, yeah, it, it didn't fit anything. And so I decided, because I was like, you know what? I don't, there's no real good reason except for I just want to be in a car with that name. Because I feel special and important in the car with that name. And to check myself, I said, you know what? When it's time to renew the lease, I'm going to get another car. A car that will actually serve me. And sometimes, you know, I had to, you know, as I did it, I really was intentional because I said, I have to let this go because I want this to be an exercise in stewardship. I want everything that I have to make sense so that I can continue to glorify God with everything that I have, even my vehicle. Amen. It's time that we get real with ourselves. Some of us cannot increase because we don't know how to release. We're so focused on, on looking the part, but we over here looking crazy to God with the things that we're trying to attain. We all have choices to make about what we do with what God has given us. And he told us that we, and he will hold us accountable to what we do with them. First Timothy 6, 17 through 21, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Here we go, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our in judgment. Combine, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. 
and to be generous and willing to share in this way, they will lay up for them treasure um, for, for themselves as firm foundation for the coming age. That is treasure in heaven so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted in your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed in, in doing so, have departed from the faith. Is this scripture really telling us, and is this whole message about, oh, we can't have nice things, or we can't go after uh, uh, better homes and other things like that? And should we not take care of our families and make sure that we have enough in savings? If that's what you're getting out of it, you've missed the whole point. That's not what this is about. This is about where our hope, focus, and attention, and even more so trust, really is. Jesus teaches us that God rewards deeds motivated by sincere devotion to him, not by approval from other people. A lot of us are looking for the hand clap from people and we're not focused on what God is saying about us and how God sees us. Our eternal perspective affects our earthly priorities. What's valuable both now and eternity is what God really cares about. Things like, here we go, more earthly treasures here, treating people right, forgiveness, loyalty, those are things that matters to God. We're meant to use possessions to love people, not love possessions and use people. Our eternal perspective affects our earthly priorities. The problem is a lot of times we're living in a 24-hour perspective, and you know what? Uh, social media can think, has a lot to do with that, right? Did you know that posts in social media world have a 24-hour shelf life? So basically, people are on to the next thing. Whatever you spent so much time, the outfit you spent so much time putting together, the fancy little meal that you, you did and you were like, oh, I'm about to get this on my socials and all that, all that 24 hours and it means nothing. It's a short-sighted point of view, isn't it, that we're, we've become so accustomed to. And we need to remember that even though we're in this culture where that is so short-sighted and so focused on things with no eternal value, we have to remember that we are not to conform to the patterns of this world, but we have to renew our minds because we are disciples of the Most High God, and He deserves more attention and focus from us. Amen? Amen. Invest in the kingdom of, the, of God where there is eternal return on your investment. The best stewards know how to manage what God has given them because they know where to invest. So if you're constantly investing your time at work, yes, you may get a promotion. Yes, there might be titles and positions. But what happens to the relationships that you have at home? What happens to the time that you lost with communicating with God in prayer and reading because to be honest I was there I worked so much I was a workaholic right everything was about work 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 but then I was too tired to even pray and to even spend time in my word because I was busy working and so what does that gain you you spend all your time and invest all your time in work and that's all you're going to get and that the, the earthly treasures are temporary. You're investing. Maybe you're investing your, your talent or your gift, I don't know, of dance. Where are you dancing? It's a lot of places that people are dancing. Have you used that gift to glorify God in God's house? Come on. What are you going to do if you can't worship here? If you can't praise him with your dance here, then what's, what are you going to do in heaven? There are rewards here on earth when you invest in heavenly treasure. Things like freedom from guilt, worry, sin, shame, freedom from all those things. You get to live a life of openness, of joy that lasts and gives you strength, peace of mind. How many of y'all want peace of mind? Confidence, hope, ability to forgive, love, clarity. I hear so many prayer requests for clarity. I know we want clarity. None of these things can rust, and none of these things can be stolen. These are heavenly treasures, amen? Earth is a big stewardship test. 
Your level of stewardship here on earth affects your life in heaven. Here's this. You can't decide to invest in the right thing after the fact. You can't invest for where you are, where you are. The investment happens before you get to the destination. Now is the time to invest for, for the future. God is looking for people he can trust with the future, amen? It happens in the present. The investment happens now, where we are now for where we're going later. Where you invest matters. But stewardship is not just about where you invest, but it's also how you invest it. Let's look back at the scripture, Matthew 6, 22 to 23. Your eyes are window into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. It just makes me laugh, sorry. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what dark life you will have. It seems like a strange place to just put that verse, doesn't it? As we're talking about stewardship and, and heavenly treasure and those things and just to throw this whole thing in. But let's see how God, what, what Jesus intended for us to really understand here. He uses the eyes in this illustration to make the point that the mind and thoughts, our awareness of the outside world, depends on the light being perceived by the eyes. Scripture often uses light as a metaphor for truth and understanding. And so Jesus here is saying, open your eyes and see the world for what it is, temporary. How we live our lives is determined by how well we see what's going on around us. We can't be fooled by the temporary temptations of this world. We have to keep our eyes open for good stewardship opportunities. I want to share this um, story that really resonated with me and I believe will help us to really further clarify this point. Um, here goes. The year 2020 has taught us a lot about ourselves. All we have to do is think about the toilet paper uh, situation to see how greed and fear have both been part of our culture. No one wants to run out of toilet paper, and since, since stores couldn't guarantee when the next shipment was coming in, everyone started buying toilet paper in massive amounts. The funny thing is, I couldn't figure out why they were buying all this toilet paper. There's your answer. The hoarding of toilet paper got so bad that stores had to start limiting how many packs an individual could purchase. Why would the store have to restrict our buying habits? It was a matter of greed and fear combined with that um, that created this buying spree, and some individuals were left without because the store shelves would be empty. So a friend of mine posted on Facebook, again, this is a story, it's not my friend, but we can pretend it's my friend. A friend of mine posted on Facebook about scoring one large pack of toilet paper in a warehouse store. That is Costco, I'm sure, something like that. She was thrilled because she was almost out and she couldn't believe her luck since this was the last one on the shelf. As she continued to shop, this older man asked her where she found the toilet paper. She told him where the toilet paper was and you know she wrong because she knew there was no more toilet paper there. <laughs> but also said to him that she couldn't think that, she didn't think that there was any more left. This same little man kept running into her while she continued shopping. And each time he would ask her the same thing. After she got home, she was putting away her prized toilet paper. And it dawned on her that she should have either given him the toilet paper or at least shared a roll or two with him when she got outside of the store, right? She posted this message because she said that she had realized that she had failed and let her greed and fear keep her captured. My friend did nothing wrong, but what she did do was miss an opportunity to show compassion and empathy to someone who was in need. She wasn't deliberately greedy since she was also in need, and the thought of helping out the man came to her only after the opportunity was gone. Some of us don't have a problem with giving but we can sometimes be blind to seeing the need, seeing the need in any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's what the story illustrates so clearly to me. 
Your eyes are the windows to your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. That's the scripture. So this tells me that good stewards see. Their eyes are open so they can see opportunities to honor God with what they have all around them. And they even look for opportunities. It's not just about seeing, but you even look for opportunities. God is looking for funnels. He gives to those he can give through. He gives to those who see, who see clearly the opportunities to glorify him. You want to be blessed? Open your eyes and see. Everything he has given us is about stewardship. But it's not just about money. I want you to, like, really put that in your spirit. It's not just about money. Money is probably the one that we're all so, you know, accustomed to, and it's something that we all uh, have a perspective on, but it's not just about money. Look ways in everything to glorify God. How are you stewarding, stewarding what God has given to you? For instance, how are you stewarding uh, your smile? Are you walking around with a mean face or are you utilizing it to help lift somebody up in their day? Use everything you've got. How are you stewarding your, stewarding your mouth? Are you using it to curse and go off on people? Or are you using it to build and encourage people? How do you steward your body? Our, our bodies are supposed to be temples, but some of us treat it like a trap house. Y'all putting all kind of junk in there. How are you stewarding your time? Are you hitting the snooze button when it's time to pray? Or do you pop up in anticipation for what, is God, what God is going to speak to you through his word every single day? Side note, this word, all God's word is supposed to convict us, not condemn us. I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, you're being condemned. But the difference between conviction and condemnation is condemnation says, you're done, you're finished, there's no way out. Conviction says, you know what, I've, I, I, have, I could do better, and I will do better, and there is hope, and there is a way. Amen? Come on. The word is supposed to convict us. How are you using what God has given you to steward? Are you hoarding all the toilet paper for yourself? Or will you open up your heart and hands to honor God? But honoring God isn't just about words and saying you're going to honor God. How are you actually going to live it out? Great steward, live with a loose grip and open eyes filled with light. Open lives constantly receive. Closed lives cut themselves off from receiving. You cannot receive if you're not open. I recently went to this great women's brunch, and it was fabulous. You know, it's women's month. Shout out to all the ladies in the place with style and grace. Hey. And it was really great, and sometimes I can't lie. I'm like, oh, do I really have to go? I don't want to do this whole, like, corny, like, we're women. We are but I always get there. I'm like, okay, it was good. It was good. So there was this part where it was like about affirmations and we were asked, okay, what are our affirmations? What are the things that we live by and then encourage us? And so people went around, um, they volunteered and one lady shared hers, which was, I am a money magnet. Everybody's like, oh yes, girl. And it's cool, right? I am a money magnet. That's cute, right? But the reality is, is that as, as great as that sounds, you can't be a money magnet if you're not a money funnel. See, God blesses those he can trust to bless others. That's how you become a money magnet. Come on. Good stewards know what to hold on to and what to release. We are good stewards when we use what we have to honor God. Amen. Stewardship, the third principle, stewardship is not just about how you invested and where you invested, but it's about knowing who invested in you in the first place. Who has always invested in you? You know, I have a dog. We're dog people, Pastor Terrence and I. We love our little dogs. And, you know, Coco Chanel, that's my girl. She's cute and all shit, too. She's cute. Um... And then, of course, there's Tupac, the newest member of the family. He's a little baby. Actually, he's a big baby. And he's uh, Pastor Terrence's dog. And, 
and he's an American bully, big old baby, right? And I remember, um, you know, I got him for Terrence for his birthday once, and so, I mean, you know, a couple years ago, and so that's his, his master ultimately, right? That's his, his ace. And so we do this thing all the time, you know, Tupac, you know, always jumps on me, jumps on him. He loves, he loves to hug and he's very affectionate and all that stuff. So every once in a while, we like to test his loyalty. You know, we like to mess with him, right? And so we do this thing where we call him. We both start calling him. One's over here, one's over here. And we're like, come on, Tupac. And he'll start coming to the one he hears most. And then the other one will try to distract him. And, 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 and like Terrence will be like, come on, boy. You know you my boy. And so he'll start going over there. And then as he's walking over there, I'm doing something else like, hey, all these we make the strangest noises right to get dogs attention so I'm like making all kinds of noises trying to get him to come to me and we're doing this back and forth and poor thing Tupac gets so frustrated that he just sits there in the middle of both of us because he's like I can't chew like y'all y'all got me y'all got me stressed out but I believe this is a picture of a person who has been worshiping two gods at once the scripture says in Matthew 6, 24, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. This is the picture of what happens when we try to follow and love two masters. You end up stuck, frustrated, and unable to move. You haven't made the necessary distinction between who your master is and who ultimately will be the one you serve. That's how you end up frustrated and stuck. You can't serve two masters because in serving one, you'll be defying the others. The demand of two masters will always compete. They'll clash. So many of us are stuck because we have a loyalty problem. You can't be a greedy person and love Jesus well. You've become a slave to your greed. So you have no room for Jesus. You can't be a cheater carrying on with multiple ungodly relationships and love Jesus well. You're too busy slaving for your lies and your lust. You can't be a lazy person and serve Jesus well. You just sleep. You, 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 you're busy sleeping. You're, you're sleeping on the job. A good steward always follows the one who has invested in him. Anything that keeps you from choosing God as a priority, this is about priorities and loyalty, is an idol. The good steward knows their master, Jesus, and he is always their priority. Once again, does it mean that we can't pursue nice things, we can't have things? Absolutely not, but it does mean that we have to prioritize Jesus over all those things. A good steward cannot be confused about uh, where they're going to go and who they're going to follow. And they, they're never confused because they have taken good care of their relationship with their master. They don't take their relationship for granted. Unlike us, God does not compromise. He is not going to share his glory with any other person or thing. He knows his worth. He knows his value. And he's very definitive about that. Our God is a jealous God, right? For Deuteronomy 4.24, for the Lord, our, your God is a consuming, consuming fire, a jealous God. But I don't want us to think about jealous in the earthly sense, right? That is talking about jealous in the heavenly sense, in the biblical sense here as it pertains to God. It says that he demands jealous, let me say that, jealous as a definition in a biblical stand is that he demands faithfulness and exclusive worship. And that is exactly what he deserves because he is God. Amen? Know who has always invested in you. 2 Corinthians 8, 19, 4, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Oh, he's always invested in you. Our greatest treasure is in Jesus. And true loyalty never ends. See, Jesus paid our huge debt 
in full and he's worthy of all of our praise. We gotta trust in Jesus alone for our provision, purpose, and most importantly for salvation, only he can save. Our love and appreciation for what he's done for us on the cross is what drives our loyalty to him. We can't be good stewards if we aren't loyal to Jesus. And we can be loyal to Jesus because he showed us his loyalty to us first. Because good stewards know who gave them everything they have to steward. They can take care and manage what has been given to them for God's glory. Here's the key. We got to be focused on God and his ways first and foremost. Sometimes we get so focused on other things that we're missing out on opportunities to glorify him. We can't see the vision that God has given us as Christians and churches because sometimes the American dream just gets a, it gets a little bit too big for our vision and it gets clouded with our ambition and we try to achieve something that was conjured up or that was, that was made up um, by, by what? What are we, again, what are we working so hard for? For stuff? For things that are going to rust and be stolen? And where is our loyalty to the things of God? Where are we investing? How are we investing in the things of heaven? Again, we cannot forget that investment happens for tomorrow happens now. We can't wait until, I remember when um, Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin was first a thing and everybody was investing in Bitcoin. And if you got in early, right? Today, that Bitcoin, that little bit has turned into a whole lot. But I've seen a lot of people trying to invest in Bitcoin right now. What happens? You gotta pay a whole lot more for that little bit of coin, right? And so what am I saying in that? It's best that we start investing in heavenly treasure as soon as we possibly can. Because that's going to compound interest over and throughout time. You can't wait till it's too late because it's too late. <laughs> Amen. I love this idea or this, this everything that we've been talking about stewardship. Because it really um, challenges us to change our perspective about what we're investing in, our time, our talents, our treasures, our resources, everything that we're about. I pray that today that we got, um, we are convicted, not condemned, about the choices that we're making and that we look for opportunities to use everything that we have to glorify him. Jesus is the greatest steward. We can be loyal to Jesus because he's been loyal to us first. Amen? So it's not just about where, it's where stewardship, good stewards know where to invest, good stewards know how to invest, and good stewards know who has invested in them for all of time. And so we can be loyal to him. Amen? Did y'all get something out of that? If you would, please bow your heads right now. I want to, I had a question to ask some people in here. All of this sounds great. It's about characteristics of a disciple, stewardship. Yeah, all this sounds great. These principles apply so much in every area of our lives, but they become even more illuminated when we actually have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, the greatest steward, has been loyal to you, even when you were not loyal to him, and even you, maybe you didn't even know he was loyal to you until today. He's been loyal to you because he was the one and the only one that gave it all. He paid the price for our sins. He showed us the example of total loyalty when he did that, when he died for our sins. There's a lot of things that you're running after in your life and a lot of people you're following that can never offer that. They might be great, they might be nice, all those things, but ultimate loyalty, there's only one who has been able to fulfill that. Salvation 
is about simply making a choice. We have all, we all have choices in our lives in every stage of our life. And salvation is about choosing to say yes to the question, will you be loyal to Jesus? That's all it is. Will you be loyal to the one who's always and will always be loyal to you? And I want to ask you that right now. Will, will you say yes to Jesus? Maybe you've been loyal to a lot of things, but it's about time. You know, maybe you're getting that feeling in your heart right now where you're like, man, that, that convicting spirit, not the condemning. Conviction means, again, you hear something or you get corrected and you can make a difference. You can make a change. You can do better. And so my question for you is that will you be loyal to Jesus? Will you say yes to Jesus? And if your answer is yes, I want you to shoot up your hand with confidence. Confidence. Amen. I see you. 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 You, 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 you. There's hands all over this room. Amen. That's right. And I'm going to ask you to take one step fo more, another step. You've already got your hand up, so you might as well stand up and just stand up right where you are. If you are deciding today, you raised your hand and you said, you know what? I want to be loyal to Jesus right where I am. I want you to stand up. And as a matter of fact, why don't everybody in this room, why don't you all stand up together? Because you know what? We all need to probably, you know, recommit our loyalty to Jesus, right? And I want to invite you to maybe spend some time here at the altar. Anyone, anyone who wants to commit recommit maybe it's the first time that you're ever hearing anything like this jesus was probably not first in your life but you know what you want to start that journey right now maybe you've been on that journey but you've gotten a little convicted today i want you to come come to the altar we're just gonna pray and i think it is a declaration come on don't wait for me i think it is a declaration for us all to like take a stand take a stand in our loyalty we can go ahead and clap for our brothers and sisters let's go don't be scared come on let me give you a high five girl we're gonna be loyal we loyal and you know what come on sis let's go let's go come on sis this is a call to say yes to Jesus you're like, you know what? He's been so loyal to me. I need to start leveling up and getting loyal with him. It's a journey. It's not something that always happened, that's gonna happen in an instant. Every day is a day um, that you make choices. And as you go throughout your day, every single day, you're gonna have all types of opportunities to glorify God and to show your loyalty to God. And so I'm proud of you for saying yes to that and to saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do better or I'm going to start because maybe you, this is the first time that you've even started living a life like this. Let me pray with you. And, you know, we have our prayer team that is, that is um, probably you feel their hand on your back right now. See, this is a family. Cool Church is a family created out of love that's what we believe here and you're not meant to live this life alone and to do this alone and we just want you to know that we're here for you and every single one of us have had to make this make this choice and some of us are still wrestling with the choice and God is still here don't worry he's there maybe you didn't have the uh, courage or maybe you just didn't feel like you needed to walk up or maybe you're even scared or nervous um, I want you to look to your left and right and say to the person, you know, if you're scared, I'll go with you. I'll walk down with you. Because once again, we're, in, we're not here to do this alone. We can, we can, yes, ask them. 
we can do things together. And sometimes it's a little bit easier to grab somebody's hand and to walk down um, together. And so, yeah, go ahead. And so right now, I want you to, maybe if you're out in the audience, why don't you reach your hands out to your brothers and sisters here who said yes today. Because we know that this is an important and life-changing decision that was made today. Father God, I want to thank you for your brothers and sisters, or my brothers and sisters who said yes to you today. And if you're here um, at the front, I want you to repeat this after me. It's a prayer to say because I thought it was in the back. It says, the scripture is, if you believe with your heart and you... um, if you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you can be saved. So that's a declaration of loyalty, right? And so I want you to pray this prayer with me if you're sitting out in the front. And again, your family is back there. If you don't already know, if you didn't turn around, you got a whole bunch of family that are supporting you right now. So I want you to say this with all of your heart. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. thank you for dying on the cross for me. For demonstrating what true loyalty looks like. You made the ultimate sacrifice for me. And I say thank you. God, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done in my life that hasn't honored you. But today, I make a change and a declaration to say yes to living a life that will honor you. God, thank you for saying yes to me as I say yes to you. And if you believed that with all that you are, you are saved. Come on. And here at Cool Church, they're already celebrating. We celebrate decisions, life-changing decisions. And so there's a sign here that says, welcome to the family. Because when you say yes, you have joined a family of believers that also said yes and have pledged their loyalty to Jesus who did it first. And so on the count of three, we're going to once again raise up that shout of praise and thankfulness because that is a picture of what heaven looks like when anyone, even if it's only one, comes home to Jesus. And we have more than one who have said yes today. So we've got a lot to celebrate here at Cool Church. So on the count of three, let's celebrate and show earth, reap a sound here on earth on what's happening in heaven. One, two, three, come on, come on. And you guys walk, walk towards that sign. Go ahead. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.